Hey, what if I told you the most effective workout programs shouldn't be judged on how they make you look on day 100, but how they make you feel on day one? At Body, we know that just getting started in fitness can be overwhelming. We felt it too. Which is why we created a workout, nutrition, and mindset platform that is designed to support you from the very first day. It's called Body, and it's going to change your whole relationship with fitness. Want to know more? Go to Body.com now. That's B-O-D-I.com, and try it free for 14 days. Improper disposal of batteries can spark fires. Fires on garbage trucks and at trash and recycling centers cost millions and put lives in danger. Batteries do not belong in regular trash or recycling. Learn more at GoRecycle.org. Brought to you by Fairfax County. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Jackson McCurry, and rolling with me, as always, is my co-host, Anthony Jokey. Anthony, how you doing, brother? Uh, I'm doing good. Long day at work. Very tired. Uh, but as always, uh, we are never able to rest around here uh, when there's news to talk about with the Cleveland Browns. And we finally got the news, I guess you could say, we've been waiting for. Although I don't know if we were waiting for this specific news, but, um, you know, we finally got uh, a decision and it's time to move forward. For sure, man. It's been a long five months. I literally think it might be five months to the day that the trade was announced that the Browns were acquiring Deshaun Watson. And on August 18th, the suspension is finally official. Uh, the settlement was made between the NFL and the players union. Um, Deshaun Watson will be suspended 11 games without pay. Um for violating the personal conduct policy. He is also fined $5 million and must undergo mandatory evaluation, which you could call counseling by behavioral experts um, and a suggested treatment program uh, suggested by the NFL. Uh, this was a caveat that I did not know, Anthony, and I had seen it in a tweet by Adam Schefter. Watson has to comply with the evaluation and treatment recommendations as of a third-party uh, expert in order to be reinstated. Um, he can't go through the Browns uh, counseling, which he's been doing since at least since he's been here. I don't know when it started, but if he doesn't comply with the treatment plan, his reinstatement back with the team could be delayed and he could receive further discipline. So that's an interesting caveat that I don't think anybody's really reported, but the suspension goes into effect on August 30th um, when the roster cutdowns go into effect to 53 He's eligible for reinstatement on November 28th, and then he would be eligible to play week 13 against Houston, which we will get to later on in the podcast. But he can really be back inside the facility in mid-October, and then by, I think it's early November, he can be back on the field practicing with the team. So it's going to be not like a full-length suspension where he can't go into Berea, but they can slowly implement him back into the uh, the facility and back around his teammates and and stuff. So that's, I think a, a win for the Browns that he doesn't have to be away for 12 weeks or 11 weeks. Uh, they can ease him back into the program. Um, but Anthony, what was your initial thoughts? Because this really came quickly after, you know, a couple of weeks of what we thought was going to be an expedited process. We thought it would, we would come quicker. Um, but the, the NFL and the PA were uh, in talks to reach a settlement and they finally did on Thursday morning. I saw a tweet this morning, like before the news came down. It has said something to the effect that it's been 49 days since Sue Robinson made an announcement. I looked at that and I'm like, 
well, that number doesn't look right. But when I thought about it, I'm like, well, it kind of feels that way. Um, it was Jake you know, Trotter because I responded to it with the Titanic gif of it's been 84 years because it certainly has felt like that some days. Yeah, and I'm sure it's felt like that to, you know, a lot of the, the parties involved. But, um, you know, I am not surprised. I originally thought when, you know, all this started was somewhere in the eight game range and then they gave him six and then they bumped it to 11. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not surprising. You know, I, I know this, this whole situation has been, uh, you know, very, very tough and, you know, very tough on the fan base and, um, you know, there are a lot of people affected by everything, uh, that, that has gone on and you know I don't know if any length of suspension would suffice to uh, what has actually you know what actually has gone on and whatnot so um, you know it, I not surprised that the NFL and the NFLPA kind of came up with a number um, along with those other conditions that you mentioned um, for Deshaun to be reinstated and to, to get back playing on this team. Um, it, it's just nice now that we could, we have a, a finite number uh, as long as he complies with everything. And then we can move forward with the, the rest of the season. And, um, you know, I don't even want to, throw a record out there because uh, I don't think it's uh, the, 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 you know, the thing to do, but um, it's just nice that this, we can put most of this behind us. Uh, what we can't put behind us is a lot of the, the work that Watson and the Haslam's and everybody else needs to do uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that we finally have some clarity on all this because it just it was really drawn out like we thought a lot of this was going to be uh, cleared up by the time training camp started and it hadn't yet. Um, and then obviously a couple of weeks ago, Sue Robinson laid out her um, her rulings, her findings, and that she thought that, you know, he was guilty of violating the uh, personal conduct policy. But she recommended six games because there wasn't a precedent to uh, a punishment that the NFL, the NFL wanted an indefinite suspension, but, you know, you look back at their history of dealing with the personal conduct policy, like some of their uh, punishments towards other behaviors that were very incriminating, like the Ezekiel Elliott situation, the Ray Rice, the Kareem Hunt situation, but then all of a sudden, you know, Watson's and obviously what they did wasn't to the volume of what Deshaun Watson did, but, um, you know, they said, she said six games was, enough to in her eyes just because of the league's history of handling it and then obviously the league appealed but at the same time they had settlement talks that kept going and you know i think they the league was worried about this going into federal court and that there was a chance that you know the the federal court would have ruled with Deshaun watson and he would have only had to serve six games um but i think the league didn't want to go down that hole because of you know things tied to their owners and 
you know, that whole thing with the Daniel Snyders, the Jerry Jones, the Robert Krafts of the world, they didn't want to be exposed in federal court potentially by the players union. So I think this is why the settlement talks happened. Um, for me, I don't think there was a number, like you said, that could fit what Watson's been alleged to have done. Obviously what he's been found guilty of in Sue Robinson's eyes. Um, I always thought the more that this dragged on that they just needed to meet in the middle. Obviously he won him, his side wanted eight games. The league wanted at least 12 up to a year on an indefinite suspension, but they seem to dwindle it down to an 11 game suspension to where he's missing over half of the year, almost, you know, three quarters of the year. And then for him to give back 5 million in fines and that money's going to go to support nonprofit organizations and not only his 5 million, but the Browns and the NFL each donated a million. I think they could have donated a lot more to show that they really um, do not like this kind of uh, behavior of sexual misconduct and assault to support survivors and stuff. The, the stuff that we talked about back in March when they traded for Watson, things that the league and the Browns needed to do, um, but they're creating a fund to help support those organizations. So I think that's a good thing. It's a good step in the right direction, but I feel like the league and the Browns and even Deshaun Watson could have done more because um, there's more money that could be given to show that they care. I, a million's a good start, but I really feel like they could have done a lot more. Uh, Houston too. I, I I think Houston could have been included in that. I'm not, you know, that's just my opinion. You're not wanting to point fingers, but I agree with you. I think Houston gets overlooked in this big time because they went and settled really quickly on those 30 cases that, you know, uh, Tony Busby was threatening to sue them for, for knowing and um, helping Deshaun Watson somewhat in those uh, massage sessions, you know, putting him up in a hotel room that was under the Houston Texans name, uh, the NDAs that, you know, their security team gave to Watson. Like the Houston Texans get overlooked in this big time. Hopefully the league investigates. I doubt it because that's another incriminating strike against one of their teams and one of their owners. But I agree with you. I think Houston, and I think, you know what, the entire football league, each team I think should donate money to show that they care because as much, you know, criticism as the Cleveland Browns have gotten when they, you know, people act like they were the only team going after Deshaun Watson. And I'm not defending the Browns on this by any means, but you know, they act like the Browns were the only team in hot pursuit of Deshaun Watson when we know of at least six teams for sure. And there was up to, I think, 12 or 13 teams that at least inquired on him. So uh, I feel like the league as a whole could do more. But I mean, they're they're showing that they care. But I really hope that this is a step in the right direction and not just doing this for a good PR. Yeah, because, you know, that that's kind of been the case, you know, what they've done before so you know hopefully their mind of is trying to do the right thing but uh, you know the nfl likes to spend things certain ways so um you know it, it could be a, a pr thing because we all know they have a lot of money uh to, to do stuff so um i i think that not only uh, the NFL uh, and, you know, these franchises and everybody uh, involved in football, but just uh, across the, you know, the rest of the U.S. and the world, we could probably do a lot more uh, 
to, you know, just be better and, and help people out. So, um, that that's kind of my thoughts on it. So Watson spoke, um, first he, there was a, um, statement released by the team where he said that he was grateful that the disciplinary process had ended. Um, and he appreciated the support that the organization had given him. He apologized once again for any pain he caused. He said he took accountability for his decisions and his focus going forward was to be uh, the best version of himself on and off the field. But then Anthony, he met with the media um, Thursday, right after that statement was released. Uh, the first time he had spoke uh, since OTAs back in those uh, the late spring, early summer. And then Anthony, it just seemed like once he got in front of the microphone, it did not help his cause. Um, he said that he continues to stand on his innocence and said that, you know, just because uh, settlements happen doesn't mean that a person's guilty. He said that um, he wants to someday tell this side of the story. But then, like, I think the biggest thing that hurt him um, was he said that, like, he apologized again and he said, there were a lot of people that were triggered by it. And I've that word triggered is like, it's a very sensitive word in my opinion. Um, and then that was at the point where it just didn't seem like he felt uh, remorseful or sorry. And it's just, I appreciated the Browns not putting him in front of a microphone. And I wish today that maybe the PR team would have kind of just yanked him and just said, Hey, we need to, you need to like step off. Like you're not handling this the right way, but it it just didn't seem remorseful to me. Like he said, like the way he uh, spoke Friday in that pre uh, game interview with Aditi Kinkabala, I thought was he did show remorse, but then like today it just seemed like a complete 180 where he, he is apologizing, but he's also saying that he's innocent. And you know, the word, like when he said that there was a lot of people triggered by this, like I just didn't feel like that showed any remorse whatsoever. Yeah, and that was the same word that the Haslam's used in their statement. Was that a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, when the decision originally came down, it's interesting that the word that he used, "triggered," is triggering. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very tough to get a, a read on on you know, his entire press conference and the Haslam's too, which I'm sure we'll talk about next. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. It was very difficult to, to listen to because, you know, he said like he was apologizing and then, uh, you know, he still maintains he did innocent, which I suppose you're allowed to do both. Um but, you know, I just hope that the other things he said about moving forward and doing everything that needs to be done, all that kind of stuff, I hope that was the most truthful part of his press conference to where, um, you know, the amount of work that he has to put in, the counseling and all the other things to um make himself a better person than the person that he was uh that put himself in that situation um hopefully that is like the most most truthful part of that press conference 
Yeah, for sure. And I really hope that like, obviously he needs to take this treatment seriously and I hope he does. And I hope he takes the counseling seriously. Um, Cause if he wants to see the football field again, he's going to have to uh, abide by what the league wants him to do. And that he's thorough uh, with this treatment, with this counseling to, you know, and maybe one day he will finally have some clarity and, and realize that, you know, what he did was wrong and that, you know, he wants to be a better person from this and ultimately like be the person that we thought he was coming out of Clemson, uh, being great in the community, you know, showing that he's always said that he would never disrespect women because he grew up in a house where it was his mom and his grandma. Like, I hope he's, he means what he says when he says that and that he's, you know, he's never disrespected women and he wants to be a, a better person on and off the field and be the best version of himself. Like, I hope this, you know, changes him and makes him a better person. Like, I don't know what happened in those situations with the women, but like, just be the better person and like ultimately push forward and figure out what you need to do uh, to be that better person to where you're a role model again. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be a role model to kids again. I know a lot of kids, have uh wanted his autograph in training camp and i thought that was cool that he took the time to sign all those kids autographs and take pictures with them and stuff but like show that you can be a role model to people going forward like i know this will be a scar on his character for the rest of his life but hopefully you know he can move forward and be a better person uh from this point forward yeah i i 100 agree i i think that's in, in, in this tough situation, maybe uh, one of the better things that could come out of it, if he can prove to be a, a better person as long as he puts in all the work and does everything that he's supposed to do as required by the NFL and even the stuff that's not required by them and, and the stuff that's not required by the Browns, um, you know, in his life. Without a doubt. And um, the, you mentioned the Haslam's. They spoke after Watson did, along with Andrew Barry, the uh, Browns general manager, and they talked about, like, you know, him going through counseling and where they stand with Watson. They were asked if they would make the trade again. Barry and Jimmy Haslam both said they absolutely would. Um, you know, Jimmy Haslam made some uh, interesting comments. Uh, he talked about, you know, believing in second chances. And I'm a firm believer in that as well. And, you know, has made interesting comments. And he said, he said, people deserve second chances. But he's like, people act like he's never supposed to play again. He's never supposed to be a part of society. Um, like, I agree with that. And, but like, when you look at Deshaun Watson, like when you talk about second chances, some people like Kareem Hunt and he brought up Kareem Hunt. Like people were mad about that. I know we were both upset about it at the time that the Browns would take a chance on him, but Kareem Hunt's made the most of his second chance. And it was just one incident that Kareem had. It was a big one, him assaulting a woman in uh, the Cleveland hotel. That was, I mean, a major one. And it was on video too, which made it even worse. But Kareem Hunt's made the most of his second uh, chance Deshaun Watson. It's the volume of what he's done that I think makes it very more um, concerning, especially when you talk about giving him a second chance. I don't know. It's going to take a lot for Watson to prove to everybody that this was the right move, both on and off the field. So I thought that was poor judgment on Haslam's part. Um, I think D brought up some good points. Like 
they were talking about the media was asking her about the counseling and she said that like counseling takes time. You just don't go to one and then wake up and, you know, see the light and understand like what you've done and how, how you can better yourself. Like it takes time to go through counseling. Like I've never personally done it, but I know people who have, and I know it's not this like an overnight success. Like it takes time. Um, They're saying he's made progress from when he first got there in March, like, and I thought she brought, brought good points, but like Jimmy Haslam, like shot himself in the mouth again. It's like, he can't seem to get out of his own way when he speaks. And he's like some of these older politicians that just don't know what they're saying. And they just put words together and think it's like a coherent sentence. And just like, this is why I don't like it when the Haslam speak. Like I like D to a degree. I think she did say some uh, appalling things today, but I thought the whole thing about counseling was good, but this is why I don't like hearing the Haslam's talk because I just think it, it never leads to good things. And thank goodness Andrew Barry was up there because it could have been a lot worse. Uh, his think... his facial expression and, you know, Anthony, we're in the group chat. Like Alex Hale posted it. Daryl Ryder was like right there on the side. Like when Jimmy was talking, like Barry was looking at him like, I know I've thought this in my mind at a time, but I never would have said it publicly. And I can't believe Jimmy is. Yeah, it's it's uh, I'm watching it right now. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just thank goodness he was up there today to answer that, you know, some of the questions and it wasn't just like 20 minutes of, of the Haslam's talking, um, you know, I had, you're, you're right about when they speak, I, I just prepare for it because you, you don't know what is going to, you know, come out of their mouths. And, um, you know, they said a lot of, very interesting things today and I'll, I'll just leave it at that and it, it's just I, I don't know I don't know Jack it, it, it's I, I I would like to think that after owning this team for so long that they would somewhat have a handle on some of this stuff but it, every time uh, which it's crazy to say like every time because there's been a lot of stuff uh that's gone on um you know every time it it it, it just somehow manages to get like worse and worse so uh if somebody needed like a pr person constantly with them it would be them yeah without a doubt like i just really wish that like they didn't talk and they just let they but they need sometimes they needed to talk because I felt so bad for Kevin Stefanski having to answer the questions day after day. And like they were sitting in the shadows and like Andrew Barry to a degree, like he's been sitting in the shadows. Like I'm glad they all finally kind of stepped up and spoke today because it's needed to be like the last couple, like when the Sue Robinson ruling came out, like Barry Stefanski had to answer the questions. Like this is why we need like our leaders and management to like come up and speak forward instead of throwing it all on the head coach. Like I feel bad because like Savancy's trying to trying to get this football team ready, but he has to answer question after question about Deshaun Watson and the legal proceedings. Like I he's not focused on that. He's focused on getting the football team ready for the season. And Barry and the Haslams were sitting in the shadows and it, it I'm glad they spoke today, but then I really wish the Haslams didn't speak because it just looks dumb and dumb every time. Um yeah I, I was gonna I was gonna say with Savansky, I think with everything that has gone on, he's handled the, everything with uh, probably the, the best way that you can, just because 
he's so consistent on everything that he says and you know probably drives like the media nuts uh because he doesn't like always answer the question or he answers the same question or different questions the same way uh but i i think how he's handled this whole thing i i don't know if there's like a better way that he he could have handled it yeah without a doubt um i can only imagine how he's feeling though once he uh, goes back in the facility to his office. He probably like just buries his ha- head in his hands, like and just kind of like just curls up and is wishing that oh, he didn't have to do it. You you know he closes his door, shuts the light off, sits in his chair, puts his feet on his desk, opens the drawer, and and just like you know probably pours himself a nice a nice you know stiff drink or something, just some way to relax and you know. Uh, with, with all this nonsense that's going on, I like. I, I feel like he'd be the person to, to do that. It wouldn't surprise me, not one bit. Um, so like Anthony, we know last Friday in Jacksonville, the fans really like buried Deshaun Watson, chanting uh, obscene things at him, booing him when he went out on the field. Um, and I feel like that's going to be the case for a long time. You know, we as Browns fans did it towards you know Baltimore. Uh, with Ray Lewis, Cincinnati, with whatever, you know, criminal or dirty player that they had on their team in Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger. You know, Joel Batonio talked about it earlier in the week when he said, like, we're going to be like the villains of the league. It's going to be uh, Cleveland versus the world once again. Like, I agree with it to a to a fault, but, like, do you really think this is how it's going to be or do you think as time passes it's it's going to go away or do you think, like, the fans are just going to ridicule Cleveland even more for the next several years. Well, as long as I've, you know, been a fan of this team, the, the Browns have gotten ridiculed. So I don't think it's going to ever go away. I, I think. Do you now, think it's going to turn up a notch though? Oh, oh, for sure. You yeah. know, you know, especially with what a, you know, coincidence that his first game back is going to be in Houston. Like that, that is going to be a very, interesting scene uh you know for him uh and for everybody to, to watch uh i can only imagine you know those, those fans uh, down, down there uh you know especially you know with that being his first game and then you know obviously the, the just the, the the rest of the season after that because you got to go to to pittsburgh i think they can go I think they go to Baltimore in that second half. Uh, uh, I think Cincinnati. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift, the Eras tour presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. He's kind and he's funny and he's also mustachioed. He solves all your problems by the end of every episode. TV Dad. Everyone loves TV Dad.
Listen to your TV dad. Switch to Progressive and you could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. I think that one's on the road, too. Let me pull up the schedule real quick. Uh, I, I, at least two of those three are on the road. So, uh, But, you know, they have a tougher schedule in that second half of the year. And I know there's quite a few road games in there. So, um, look, it, it's just going to be something that they have to uh, deal with uh, once he returns. And, um, you know, it's been constant on social media, uh, you know, ever since they traded for him. So um, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Maybe after a couple years or so. Uh, but if the Browns, you know, ever make it to, you know, the playoffs and, you know, God forbid the Super Bowl while he's the quarterback, uh, you know, though it, it's just going to like bring everything back up again. Uh, and so it, it's, it's not going to go away for, uh, I think the rest of his career. I would agree. Um, you mentioned that the Browns, the first game Watson's eligible to be back right now is December 4th, week 13 against the Houston Texans in Houston. Um, and then I looked up the rest of the schedule. They play at Cincinnati the following week, uh, Baltimore week 15 in Cleveland uh, in New or in Cleveland versus New Orleans on Christmas Eve at Washington on New Year's Day and then closing out the season at Pittsburgh. So there's going to be some hostile environments. Cincinnati, uh, Washington fans can be uh, a little reckless at times. And, of course, Pittsburgh, they are going to heckle the crap out of Deshaun Watson. But this is also the same fan base that stuck by Ben Roethlisberger with his allegations. So that's enough said for now. Um, But the Houston game, and it was reported several times that the league did not want Deshaun to play in Houston this year. Um, and that's why I think they were pushing for at least a 12 game suspension. I think it's, I find it so weird and a coincidence, Anthony, that this is going to be, and I'm not going to be the conspiracy theorist, but say Houston, you know, takes a, a step forward this year. Davis Mills comes back and has a, a good rookie campaign um, with their new head coach and everything. And he continues to build or he continues to build off his rookie campaign um, and say Houston's in the hunt in the AFC South somehow, and Cleveland's still on the hunt when they come back. I know Colin Coward said he doesn't think that the NFL will market this game, but if Houston's playing good ball and Cleveland's still in the hunt as we roll into December, it will not shock me if the NFL promotes the hell out of this game because ratings would be through the roof. Deshaun Watson's first start as a Brown back in Houston, uh, hostile environment in the dome down there. This just like, I know the NFL probably doesn't want to, but it could happen to where I think this could be a big time game. It's a one o'clock game right now on CBS. If both teams are competitive, would not shock me if it gets flexed to 425 or even in that window on Sunday night where it could get flexed to a Sunday night game. And that would be insanity on all levels, regardless. And even if it doesn't, like say Houston's, you know, uh, they're just still rebuilding. It's still going to be a big time atmosphere in Houston, regardless of the team's records, just because Deshaun's back first game as a Brown and it's against his former team. Yeah. I think the, you know, the buildup 
to it all week long is gonna gonna you know be national national news. I I, I think the NFL uh, probably wants to keep as many eyeballs off of that game as possible. Um, I I just because they probably you know like you mentioned they it was reported that they pushed so hard to him not playing that game. I wouldn't be surprised if that game is only available in the Houston market and the, and the Cleveland market. And that's, that's it. That's what Cal, I, I passed the room at my work today where uh, the herd was on and Colin Cowherd said, cause he's, he's like, I've worked with the NFL, obviously working through Fox for years and ESPN. He goes, they're not going to market this game. He goes, it would not shock me if it's just in Houston, the Houston market and the Cleveland market. But I mean, if people have a Sunday ticket, people are going to watch like, it's going to be, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked that there's still strong ratings, even out of both of those markets. Houston's one of the biggest markets in America, and obviously people know how much people love football here in Northeast Ohio. Like, I think ratings will still be through the roof, which will still be a win for the National Football League at the end of the day. Yeah, the the, the local ratings will be high because they, they're they always high, but I, I, I don't think you'll see, um, you know, the NFL – promote one one second of, of that football game I, I i just don't see it at all i wouldn't see it but you never know the nfl loves their ratings and their ways to make money uh as bad as that sounds with uh everything going on with watson but and, and if they and, and if they do i i think it'd be very hypocritical of the whole situation if they did oh without a doubt i completely agree with you um you know anthony we talked about a couple episodes ago about the browns pursuing Jimmy Garoppolo, if the suspension was increased, well, the suspension is increased, but you know, Anthony, the more I thought about it, the more I don't think the Browns are going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo. I really think they're going to roll with Jacoby Brissett. Um, just cause when I look at the numbers and stuff and more into the, you know, the PFF numbers, I just think him and Brissett and Garoppolo are pretty close to one another. Now, obviously Garoppolo has got more experience. Um, both in the regular season and in the postseason, even with Garoppolo's uh, vast majority of injuries that he's had, like he's had more playing time. He's had more starting experience. Um, he's obviously been in more pressure situations just because he's been on uh, the 49ers who have been a contending team the last three or four years. But I just think Gar- or Brissett, I think he has an opportunity to tread water with this team. He's got more talent here than he had in Indy. Um, you know, last year he had some flashes of what he can do in Miami when he subbed for Tua Tagovailoa. Um, I just think they're going to roll with Brissett, and I think they can keep he can keep them around 500. Now his career record's 14 and 23, but I always go back to the 2019 season where he started right at when Andrew Luck abruptly retired, and he was seven and eight with them in 15 starts, and the talent around him wasn't the greatest. He still had T.Y. Hilton. He had Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron at tight end. He had, I think, Marlon Mack at running back, maybe somebody else, but he had a great offensive line. The defense was decent, but I look at what the Browns have now with the running backs, Amari Cooper, David Njoku, a a solid offensive line, even though the center position took a hit, and a defense that was playing at a top-10 level at the end of last year. Like This could be Brissett's best opportunity, and – I just think he can keep them in striking distance of a playoff spot until Deshaun Watson is eligible to return. 
Yeah, and I, I think also for Brissett, you know, this is a, a now an eleven game audition for other teams as well. Um, I, I can't see with you know Deshaun's contract jumping to was it next year forty six million that fifty five okay fifty five that they'll want a backup quarterback to have the money that Brissett has on his contract. So, um, you know, this is an audition for him to maybe a team will trade for him after the season or, you know, if the Browns decide to move on, he'll, he could, you know, be a, a starter or transition guy somewhere else next year. So I, I really think these 11 games for Brissett are going to be extremely important to him and his career, uh, especially with the talent that is around them. You know, maybe if he shows that, you know, he can be an average to above average quarterback with uh, different and really good talent around him, uh, that that would bode well for him. And, you know, other teams will see that and, and you know, become interested. So, um you know, I think these 11 games are, are, are going to be really important to the future of, of Brissett. And uh, he's going to do everything that he can to, you know, make sure that happens. Yeah. And, the, you know, the biggest stat I look when I look at Jacoby Brissett's numbers is 17 career interceptions in 37 starts, 60 games, 37 starts. He protects the football. Uh, when he was the full-time starter in 2017 for the Colts, they went 4-11, and but he only threw seven picks. Uh, 2019, when he was the full-time starter, he threw 18 touchdowns to six picks. Last year, he threw four picks and five starts. Um, so, like, he doesn't turn the ball over. Um, it's not the most accurate thrower. I was talking about this with Alex on the top dogs. Um, like, he doesn't have the rocket arm, but he can make all the short to intermediate throws, and I think that's good, especially in this type of offense where it's all about accuracy to agree now he's a 60.2 uh career completion percentage but i think he could make all the short to intermediate throws and i think that fits well to what this browns offense is because we don't have guys outside of uh anthony schwartz that can take the top off of defense but you know we have good route runners and people's jones and um amari cooper you know najoku i think could be a big exploit and the fact that you know, Brissett was consistent to throw into the tight ends and Doyle and Ebron and even Gasecki, um, whether it was in Indy or Miami, I think that bodes well for him. And the fact that he's got two all pro running backs right now and Chubb and Hunt on the roster, as well as, you know, the emerging Dearness Johnson and Jerome Ford as well. However, the running back room shakes out. I think things could bode well. And I think, you know, as much as people kind of are not as high on Brissett, I think he can get the job done and keep us around 500. And I think keep us in the playoff hunt as we roll into December of this season. Yeah. If, if you look at, uh, you know, the schedule uh, for those 11 games that he'll be the quarterback, I, I think f- five and six is reasonable. Six and five best case scenario, uh, maybe four and seven, like absolute like worst case scenario. Um, you know, I, I, that's kind of where, where I'm at, you know, if he, like you said, stays around 500, five and six, six and five, I, I think that, um, you know, that'll, that'll be a good job out of him. Yeah. Without a doubt. Cause when you look 
like the first quarter of the season, Carolina, the Jets, the Steelers, the Falcons, like all those games are winnable. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, you got to play the games to see how it shakes out the second quarter of the season, the chargers, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bengals, like that's a tough stretch uh, Four playoff teams right there. Although new England doesn't scare me right now because their offense is really shaky in camp. Uh, that's what happens when you have a former defensive coordinator calling uh, plays on offense. But uh, we'll talk about that as we get closer to that matchup. And then you come out the bye week, you play Miami, who's a tough team. You know, there's questions about Tua still, but there's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Buffalo is my pick in the, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year. And then the final game with Brissett as the starter is Tampa Bay. And it's Tom Brady, um, which could be his final trip to Cleveland. You never know. He's still going strong at 45 years old. Like, there's five, six, like you said, four and seven's worst case scenario. Um, but like five and six, six and five, I think is is decent enough to where you get Deshaun back for those final six games. And then who knows what happens down the stretch. And, you know, does this, is this a make or break year potentially for Kevin Stefanski? I don't think so because of the situation, but we know how Haslam can be. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. The fact that he kept us in the hunt with Baker Mayfield at quarterback last year makes me think that they can, they got enough talent to where with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, they can stay in the playoff hunt um, for the first 11 games for sure. Yeah. I, I think like six wins is the absolute ceiling uh, that he'll be able to do. Uh, and, you know, if that's the case, that that would be great. But, um, you know, I, I don't expect anything more than like five wins. That's kind of where I'm at. I think so too. Cause the AFC is so tough. Um, you know, we, we think the first four games are easy, but you know, the jet, the jets have gotten better. Uh, we'll see what Zach Wilson does in year two, Carolina, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Baker as the quarterback. Uh, they got weapons on offense. Their defense is young and improving. Uh, Pittsburgh's always got a strong defense. Uh, I think regardless of who the quarterback is, you know, Najee Harris will keep them in the game. Their defense will keep them in the game. Um, Atlanta, it's going to be tough to say. They're rebuilding, obviously, with Mariota's quarterback. Desmond Ritter's backing them up. They got some weapons on offense. Uh, their defense is rebuilding, but no game's easy in the league. Injuries happen, and that, that totally changes the complexion of any matchup, any given Sunday or yeah. Monday. And, 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 you know, six of those games are in Cleveland. Uh, and that I think that helps. Home field that, advantage that, definitely helps. Yeah, that's part of it. And you never know what the weather, which favors the Browns in any situation because of the running game. So, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of a, a wait and see thing. But I think six wins is like the absolute ceiling. Uh, five wins is where I'm at. For sure. I'm right in that same boat as well. But we'll see how it goes as we inch closer to week one. And Anthony, I'm glad, you know, that we can like solely focus on football now. That this is this part of the the whole situation is over. We can focus on football moving forward. And uh, hopefully this can still be a good season for the Browns, even though our franchise quarterback is out for three fourths of the season, but hopefully we're still in a spot to when he returns, we're still on the hunt for a playoff spot and to get back to the playoffs for the second time in three seasons. 
Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a long road to you know when he returns, but uh, you know, a lot of things can happen over those first eleven weeks. So I'm you know I'm excited for the season. Uh, you know I think we're ready to really talk some football. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of talk about Week One at Carolina. Uh, that, that's going to be a, a fun game to discuss, especially with somebody being named the starting quarterback over there. Um, you know, that's going to be uh, a great kickoff uh, to the season. Oh, without a doubt. It's going to be a fun weekend. I just uh, found out I'm going to Ohio State game that, that Saturday. And then, you know, obviously the season opener. Uh, September the Notre 11th. Dame game? No, whoever they play week two. I don't even okay. know the opponent yet. I just know my brother said he got tickets and we're going. So definitely looking forward to that. So it's going to be a fun football weekend. Uh, that's for I was sure. Gonna say if, I was going to say, if you're going to the Notre Dame game and I wasn't invited or whatnot, we were going to have uh, have some issues there. <laughs> it's um, but, Arkansas State. So get to go watch Ohio State uh, well, kick the living hell out of that team. So that's Yeah, gonna be, yeah. You'll, you'll be able to, uh, you know, go watch that game, just kind of chill and relax and leave at halftime if you wanted to. <laughs> I know I, I, that's go my first, a, bu- first go, Buckeyes go find game. A, so. Go find a party on campus uh, just a little <laughs> bit after halftime. Oh, no, I'm a little too – I might be a little too old for that now, Anthony. It's never too old. It's never too old. <laughs> um, do you want to – I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, though. And uh, it, it, it really – uh, take in the horseshoe. It, it's a very cool place to, to watch a football game. Um, you'll have to tell me where your seats are, but it, 50 it's yard uh, oh, you can't beat it. No, nope. you can't beat it. It, nope. it's, it. It's a great place to uh, to watch a game. Uh, one of the times I went, I was lucky and got to sit in the student section. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, to say the least. Yeah, so. definitely, definitely looking forward to it. Going with my dad and my brother. Uh, we went to the Hall of Fame on Wednesday, and that was an awesome experience. So get to uh, knock something else off the uh, bucket list and uh, get to take in the horseshoe with them as well. So it's gonna be a fun uh, experience in September. Yeah, I'm gonna do everything I can to go to the Ohio State Michigan game this year. I'm trying. I'm yeah, really I'm, trying. That's I'm that's ex- the next thing on the bucket list. Yeah, I've I've never been, so I I I have to go to one. I've never been to Hall of Fame either, so I got to do that too. Yeah, it is. It's a great experience. Really enjoyed it. Um, took a lot of pictures on Facebook. So if you haven't seen him yet, go check it out. Uh, is there anything else you want to discuss before we wrap things up here? Yeah, this is not NFL related, but um, what do you think? And just kind of talk about the Buckeyes, I guess, really quick. Yeah. What do you think of what the the Big Ten did today? Seven billion dollars with Fox, CBS, NBC, which is a crazy amount of money that, you know, some professional teams don't even get from their, their television rights deal. Yeah. So like it finally went official today. So it was, it was discussed, you know, the last couple of weeks, but it's, it's amazing. Like for them to be on not just one national network, but all three, that's pretty uh, mind boggling. Kudos to the big 10 for hammering out this kind of deal. I was thinking with them going to NBC that they were going to put pressure on Notre Dame to join them. It might, it but might. No, I mean, Notre Dame re-upped the media rights deal to stay independent. So they're going to still be like the flagship of NBC, but obviously the, um, the big 10 is going to be well represented. They're going to have games on Peacock. Um, I know, I think they said black Friday games that they have are going to be on 
I think NBC and CBS, but this is good, not just for college football, but also college basketball um, because they'll be well represented on CBS and Fox. But this is, I mean, this is huge. And I also heard, I forget which media outlet it was that they're not done expanding. Obviously they're adding USC and UCLA. Um, I know a couple other PAC 12 schools were mentioned, Florida state and uh, Miami were mentioned. So we're getting to a point, Anthony, now where you're going to see super conferences and they're also talking about uh, like the college football playoff system with like the power five. They're talking about branching off from the NCAA. So we're going to see a lot more changes to college football over the next couple of years. And it's going to be huge. Obviously, you know, the SEC is probably going to just go become full fledged ESPN people now that the big Ten's taking over on the uh, CBS, which has been the home of SEC forever, but it's the landscape of college football has changed a lot in the last couple of years, and it's going to continue to evolve over the next couple. And it's going to be interesting to watch. That's for sure. Yeah. I've always kind of been of the mindset that maybe like the top 40 and 50 teams will be kind of separate themselves and kind of fall under the college football playoff thing. And then, you know, the teams outside of that could have a championship of their own, uh, kind of splitting, you know, division one and half or into a third. And maybe if, you know, go to like a European soccer relegation thing, depending on how teams perform over the course of a period of years. Um, you know, it, it, it's a very interesting thing. And, and it was surreal to see the one video on Twitter of Big Ten highlights set to the CBS f- football theme. Like that was that was surreal uh, to to watch today, and it was very cool. So, I I I kind of hope that maybe uh, maybe Jim Nance will get to call Ohio State Michigan. I think that would be very cool. Uh, although I think they've mentioned that games on Fox this year, but maybe over the course of this deal, we'll get to hear that happen. Yeah, well, I mean the deal doesn't kick in until next year, but I mean that would be pretty cool to see that down the road. I'm trying to think a uh, uh, Brad Nessler called the Alabama games for a long time. So his, he's got a legendary voice as well. So hearing him call Ohio state games is uh, going to be pretty cool. Uh, the way they're having it set up, it's Fox will get the noon game. CBS gets the three thirty games and then primetime games on NBC. So it's like, they're all getting the share of the wealth. Obviously, you know, I'm sure Notre Dame, whenever they have primetime games will be on, but it, it's going to be, quite the experience it's just going to be weird not seeing big 10 football on espn anymore because we've been so ingrained with it hey, since we were I, kids I'm, I'm fine with it to be completely honest i'm 100 percent okay with right it. because they've been sec become more sec uh like pro sec over the last several years with paul feinbaum obviously the sec network is through espn it just makes more sense in the world that you know they're just going to completely shift over there themselves once their TV deal with CBS expires, which I think is this year, obviously, which is why the Big Ten jumped on the opportunity. I'm curious to see what the the rights for the season is going to be uh, when it comes time to uh, do that. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, with the college football playoff, ESPN has those rights. So I guess eventually, you know, Ohio State and everybody – uh, if they make it to the playoffs, we'll, we'll be on ESPN. But I'm, I'm curious to see how they'll handle all of that uh, when it comes time. 
Right. Well, so the so I'm reading an article from the Washington Post real quick. The SEC signed a deal that begins in 2024. Uh, they'll be on ESPN 10 year deal worth three billion dollars. So the Big Ten took that three billion, uh, over doubled it or doubled it to it or the two and a half times the amount, but it's only like a seven year deal. So, I mean, it works. They're they're the richest conference now in college football. So. And hey, hopefully it'll help some of these other programs, you know, kind of catch up. You know, the Indianas, the Rutgers, Maryland, uh, the Marylands, yeah, yeah uh, the bottoms Illinois, of the league. Yeah, those Purdue. teams really need it. So, hopefully it helps them. So it'll yeah, be interesting well, to see how it all shakes out. Like I'm it, looking forward to college football this year. Yeah, sure I'm, I'm very curious to see how it'll affect all the the different women's sports too uh with you know getting some more eyeballs on women's basketball for 10 you know women's softball as well uh because you know i know a lot of times those games got you know shut out on espn because uh you know just the you know SEC and, and pac 12 kind of dominate in those so i think there'll be a big opportunity for for those games too on across all those uh streaming platforms that cbs fox and uh nbc have yeah for sure i mean with peacock and paramount plus and stuff like this is this is not only going to help college football and college basketball because that's what everybody looks at but college baseball college softball all the other sports uh represented in the big 10 conference and obviously all across college sports so hopefully it gets some like you said more eyeballs on it more recognition um and more viewership like because at the end of the day that just that helps not only obviously football and basketball but all the college sports for sure yeah absolutely all, all these programs will will benefit from uh from the media right so hopefully we'll we'll get to see them uh quite a bit without a doubt uh, as we wrap things up, you guys can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Jokey. You can follow me on Twitter at Jack McCurry 08, as well as the Dogland uh, at the Dogland on Twitter, as well as Facebook. Uh, if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please be sure to leave us a follow and a review. Um, whatever podcast platform you listen to, share. Uh, subscribe. We really appreciate you guys riding with us as we uh, continue to roll through season six of the podcast. And as we inch closer to, to the regular season, we'll be back probably after uh, Sunday's matchup against the Eagles. Uh, we'll break that down for you. Um, but until next time, have a good one Browns fans. And as always go Browns. Progressive presents adjusting to the suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.